The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Mary Woods, and I'm your host today. And um, our guest is Bill Eddy, who is an attorney, therapist, mediator, and the president of High Conflict Institute based in San Diego, California. Mr. Eddy provides training to professionals worldwide on the subject of managing high-conflict personalities. He is an international speaker, presenting seminars throughout the United States, Canada, France, Sweden, and Australia. He is the developer of several methods for managing high-conflict people in any situation, including in family law, mediation, and the workplace. Um, welcome to our show, Bill. I, I think it's important that we let our listeners know that today we're going to be talking about um, people that have the characteristics of personality disorders and um, how often they get in the way of healthy communication, healthy relationships. Um, they can cause stress and conflict in the workplace. But um, I, I think it's kind of good to give it, our listeners a little background on um, how you started to work in this um, arena. And I always hate to say field because it, sounds, <laughs> it doesn't sound professional enough, you know. Um, yes. But, you know, this is something that um, we don't talk about. We talk about it in terms of our clients and our, and our families, but we very rarely refer to our as people with personality disorders. Well, thank you, Mary. I'm glad to be on the program. And yeah, let me give a little background. I really started out as a social worker and I became a uh, clinical social worker doing child and family counseling in psychiatric hospitals and outpatient clinics where I also worked with substance abuse issues for six or seven years. But I always liked conflict resolution, and I decided to go to law school and got a law degree about 23 years ago and was thinking I'm really changing careers and focusing on conflict resolution, legal disputes, etc. And very quickly, I found that a lot of the people in big conflicts, you know, high conflict divorces, workplace suits, all of that, a lot of people, um, a lot of these cases had one or more people with a personality disorder, but no one recognized it because that's a, kind of a hidden disorder in society and public. Um, professionals, as you said, talk about that with some of their clients, but I found that it really plays a big part in conflict in everyday life in families, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, even with strangers. So putting the 
the therapy career together with the legal career, this just really jumped out at me as a very important issue that people mostly don't understand and often do the wrong thing when they're in a conflict with someone with a personality problem. And so I've worked with developing a lot of methods to kind of make it easier and help people kind of manage the difficulties involved. I think over the years, um, when I first started working in this profession, folks that had personality disorders were um, typically not considered to be um, fundable under Medicaid. Um, they, there, there wasn't a lot of treatment available for them. Um, and oftentimes, they were looked down upon by people in professional arenas as, um, I don't know, somehow uh, somebody has a personality disorder, um, they might be seen more negatively than somebody who had depression or schizophrenia. And, um, and over the years, what we've learned is that oftentimes pe- people with personality disorders have a significant trauma history. Um, that they've been in situations and they've learned really maladaptive ways to cope or to get their needs met. So I think there's been a bit of a stigma even within our profession around people with personality disorders. Well, yes, has that been I, your experience? Or? Yes, I think historically that's been true. And I guess I'm excited over the last 10 years that there's, there's methods that are really starting to... Um, have success and help people. So, for example, one of the commonly known or talked about personality disorders is borderline personality disorder, where someone has wide mood swings, sudden and intense anger, out of proportion to the situation and such. And so cognitive behavioral methods have been helpful with helping people with that disorder actually one of the approaches, dialectical behavior therapy that people know as DBT, have actually helped some people with borderline personality disorder no longer have the disorder because they have learned exactly what you are describing as coping skills that are more adaptive. So I think there's a lot of excitement now that we have, we have hope, we have some skills, that we have some methods it's just getting people with the need hooked up with the treatment methods. And that's, that's harder with personality disorders because one of the characteristics of the disorder is not being aware that you have the disorder. It's kind of a, a, a different form of denial. And so people with the need for these skills don't realize that they have a problem. So it's... Uh, it's tricky, but you're absolutely right. Many people with personality disorders had a trauma history and, and learned how to cope, say, as a child, but the methods they learned how to cope with as a child don't work in adult life, like in an office or in a marriage or a relationship. Have you ever seen an instance where somebody who has the characteristics of a personality disorder are rewarded for those characteristics, whether it's in the workplace or um, as a result of how they earn their living, where some of those, yeah, go ahead. Definitely. Yes. It's there's, I'll just briefly mention there's, there's 10 personality disorders in the diagnostic and statistical manual that mental health professionals use. But, about half of those tend to be 
what I call the high-conflict personality disorders. And on the surface, much of the time they're appealing. And so, say, someone with a narcissistic personality disorder tends to sabotage themselves. And this is one of those that could have developed. Someone may have been abused as a child, and so they coped by, by puffing themselves up and saying they're superior to everybody and, and bragging and promoting themselves. And in the workplace, this is really terrific for a little while. But then what we see is they're good at making people listen to them. They're good at getting attention but then they're not good at following through because of their personality problems. And then people go, wait a minute, um, you just sounded like, you know, or we just gave you a raise because you said you could handle this big problem or this department. And, and it's clear now that you don't have the skills. You've got people, you know, rebelling against you and all of this. And so it's like for a while, people with that, with narcissistic personality disorder can just look like they're maybe, you know, uh, puffing themselves up too much. But then we find out this person really has a crisis and sometimes goes into a severe depression, et cetera, or maybe has serious anxiety problems. And so they get themselves in positions that are rewarded, as you say, but then they can't sustain them and end up um, devastated and, and maybe kicked out of the organization. Uh, we see this in marriages um, that people, you know, they, they're really great at the seduction, but they're not good at the follow through. And so that really, it's, it's painful to watch, not only because of the person's own problems that are self-inflicted, but the people around the person often are also quite devastated. There's many problems that come up for family members, co-workers, et cetera, in some cases. How would you define a high-conflict individual? Well, I have four characteristics that seem common. Uh, one is a lot of all-or-nothing thinking. So it's all my way or the highway. Um, there's no gray areas allowed. Uh, another is unmanaged emotions. It's overreacting to things. Um, and escalating conflict instead of helping calm conflict and look for solutions. A third is extreme behaviors. So if you think in the workplace or in a relationship, someone that may um, lie, steal, uh, hit, you know, like domestic violence, things like that. But the fourth characteristic seems to be the key one, and that's a preoccupation with blaming others. And that, that's why they're high-conflict people. They escalate conflict or create conflicts that didn't exist. So those four characteristics seem to be the characteristics of people that I see in high-conflict settings, which include high-conflict divorce or other court cases, high-conflict in the workplace, um, ending up you know, getting fired or... Uh, some other discipline. It's those characteristics, and they overlap with characteristics of personality disorder, but not everyone who's a high-conflict person has a personality disorder, and not everyone with a personality disorder 
is a high-conflict person with a target of blame that they focus on. What's the benefit for the individual that is a high-conflict, that kind of lives in that energy? Because to me, that would seem to be really create a lot of agita for somebody. Well, what's to them? Right. There isn't really... There really isn't really a benefit. It's more that the person doesn't manage themselves that well. They don't manage their responses to things, and they go into a highly defensive mode. So I wouldn't, I don't see it as the person is choosing to act this way as much as the person automatically acts this way, especially in a stressful uh, situation, is they go into these kinds of ways of operating, which generally are self-sabotaging. I mean, people lose jobs because of this behavior. People lose spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends because of this. And so it's a really self-defeating pattern of behavior. But one of the key characteristics, which is characteristic of personality disorders, is they lack self-awareness of their contributions to the problem And you can't give the person insight. You can't say, wait a minute, can't you see how you're hurting yourself by doing this? They get defensive about that. And so there's different strategies we've developed to help kind of calm people and help redirect them. But it's it's not so much that there's something in it for them as they just can't see how much they're hurting themselves and they have that emotional energy from reacting. And we'll be right back uh, to talk more about uh, high conflict um, folks and other types of personality disorders right after this commercial. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of return to peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skincare Centers. 
will motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Bill Eddy, who is an attorney. He's also a certified family law specialist in California. He represents clients in family court and provides divorce mediation services for over 20 years. Prior to becoming a lawyer, he provided psychotherapy to children and families as a licensed clinical social worker. Bill is the author of 10 books for managing high-conflict situations, including It's All Your Fault, 12 Tips for Managing People Who Blame Others for Everything. Um, Bill, thank, thanks for being on the show. And I, Before we went to break, we were talking about some of the characteristics of um, a high-conflict person. I think it's important for us to identify there might be other types of personality traits that are equally um, unproductive and um, really don't help sure. people get their needs met. So could you identify those others for us? Yeah. And I guess the easiest way to picture this is people with high conflict personalities overlap with people with five personality disorders. So I mentioned borderline personality disorder with a lot of mood swings, sudden intense anger, things like that. Some people with that personality disorder also are high-conflict people. They focus on a specific person, what I call a target of blame, and they blame that person for everything that's going wrong, even though a lot of what's going wrong, the person with that personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, has somewhat self-inflicted, but they they lack self-awareness, which is a characteristic of the disorder. Narcissistic personality disorder uh, also lacks self-awareness. This is characterized by uh, seeing themselves as very superior to people. That offends people. Um, They also can be very demeaning, insulting, um, putting other people down to help them feel up. And so this is, some of them focus on a specific target of blame and and get angry with that person, et cetera. Some don't. So the ones that are high conflict people may have these traits. There's also antisocial personality disorder, and some of them are high conflict people. Antisocial personality disorder fits the term in that they're kind of against society's rules. They, they're comfortable violating the law, violating standards. Uh, they lie a lot, even when they can get caught, because as with the other personalities, they're self-defeating. Their behavior, they like to dominate others, and a lot of them end up in, in prison where they're not in much control of their life or anybody else. There's also a paranoid personality disorder, people who really fear that other people are out to get them. 
Um, in the workplace, they may fear conspiracies. People are blocking my career advancement because of something or other. Um, and you don't always know that they're thinking this. They, they bear grudges, but they don't tell you they're bearing a grudge. They think you know you offended them and you, you didn't, but they interpret it that way. And the fifth is histrionic personality disorder. It was a very dramatic, exaggerating stories, emotionally um, intense, but also somewhat superficial and can really be distracting in a relationship or in a workplace because there's an intensity about being the center of attention, telling dramatic stories, etc. Now, I want to say all five of these there's a continuum. So some people may have a disorder, some may just have some traits, but if it includes having this all or nothing thinking uh, and a target of blame, then they tend to feed conflict. And that's, that's how people are most likely to become aware of them in daily life is because they're getting into conflicts that seem unnecessary or overblown. So hopefully that's not too much in a few minutes. Well, no, because I think it's important, especially in today's world, for us to understand conflict and to understand in the workplace um, that if you if you're working with someone like this, they they really don't have control, do they, of their emotions? And um, it's almost like once the train leaves the station, they can't stop it. And that's exactly right. And I think at this point, as to mention, there's some similarities with uh, substance abuse, where if someone's an alcoholic or addict, that they know they can't start down that road, and that relapse prevention means not having a drink or using a substance. And if someone, in a sense, is recovering or getting treatment for a personality disorder, they also learn, I can't be in certain situations because my emotions take over. So I've got to step back. I've got to learn how to avoid high-conflict situations because my emotions just, like you said, they leave the station before I get a chance to think about it. That's right. Well, I think it's, it's also important that here at Westbridge we talk about conflict a lot because you know, um, to, a, to a certain extent, conflict is part of life. We have people in treatment who really don't want to be in treatment, but their family wants them to be in treatment. We have families who were asking them to learn new skills, and they really don't want to learn new skills. So, so conflict is part of just the, of what, of our world. And, and we try to talk to people about conflict being neither good nor bad. It's, it's how we react to it. So that, if we're able to be open and honest in the moment about what we're thinking or feeling or our perception and, and deal with it, then conflict becomes something you can build on as opposed to keeping it inside, building a resentment, having water cooler conversations, um, talking about people behind their back or um, blaming the family because they're not communicating in a way that's healthy. So I think it's also important to understand that sometimes conflict is a very powerful thing for good. Yes. And, and I think that what I would emphasize is high conflict people lack the skills to keep it in the moderate emotional range. And the moderate emotional range is where conflicts are resolved. And so the term high conflict really goes with how they go out of that range by yelling or hitting or, or 
getting revenge for something that, that, that was neutral. And so in many ways, it's learning skills and learning to kind of rein in the overreactions to conflict. So I think what you're saying is very important is that conflict is part of life and the goal is managing conflict, not eliminating it. So when you're working with someone or you're involved with someone who, who has this high re- conflict reaction, how, how do you respond? What do, what do you do to um, defuse it? Or can you? Well, I, th- I think you can in many cases, not necessarily 100%, but in many cases. And there's a method that I call the CARS method. It's connecting, analyzing, responding, and setting limits. And each of these addresses an area that's difficult for someone with a high-conflict personality. And so the first is connecting. And with that, it's, it's in many ways doing the opposite of what you feel like doing because uh, emotions are contagious. So if someone's getting real angry with you, the temptation is to get real angry back. And part of our brain, our amygdala function, uh, says you're in danger, fight back, or flee, escape. And so you see people having that, that behavior, you feel like doing that yourself. But you can override that, and the message is you can connect with people, you can calm people by actually giving them a statement that includes some empathy, that you'll pay attention, and some respect. So, for example, someone's in your face angry, and you can say, wow, I I see how frustrated you are. It sounds like a hard time. Uh, Tell me more what's happening. And so just the fact that you're showing some empathy, that you're saying, tell me more, I want to understand what's happening, tends to calm people down immediately. It's amazing. Even high-conflict people with personality disorder overlap like the fact that they're getting attention and that they're getting some empathy. So it's rather than responding with a fight response or an escape response, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, is give them what we call an ear statement. It shows empathy, I'll pay attention, and respect. It can be any or all of those three. And we with High Conflict Institute have been teaching people this for about seven years. And it's amazingly effective once you get comfortable with it. But it means when someone's in your face angry, you've got to override your own anger response and say, wow, you know, tell me what's going on. It sounds like a really frustrating situation. And you can do that quite briefly. So it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Uh, But that seems to work in many cases. It sounds so simple. (laughs) (laughs) It's the thing that's hard is doing it when you feel like overreacting yourself. That's the part that's hard. But you can train yourself. And I teach people to think of phrases like, you know, I'll I'll work with you on this. Or tell me more. I want to understand. Or, you know, I have a lot of respect or how committed you are to solving this. Because it has to be truthful, but many times the person who's difficult is sincerely trying to solve a problem. They're just going about it the opposite way of what works. 
I know. I know. I think that, as you say, it's on a continuum. So I know for me, the closer I am to somebody, um, the harder it is for me to override those emotions. The farther right. away I, I am with, from somebody, it's much easier, you know. Right. And that's why I learned this as a professional and it's easier, say, as a mediator to calm two people down than it is to calm myself down with someone I'm really close to. But with practice, and especially if the other person you're close to is also trying to learn this, it can actually really work. It's, it's amazing. So if, if we're engaged with somebody who's a high-conflict person, well, I guess... Um, we'll go to commercial, and then I'll formulate this conversation. But I'd like to talk a little bit about safety, too. So um, we'll be right back after this commercial break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome. 
Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today, and our guest is Bill Eddy. He's an attorney, therapist, mediator, and the president of the High Conflict Institute based in San Diego, California. He's also the author of 10 books for managing high conflict situations, including It's All Your Fault, 12 Tips for Managing People Who Blame Others for Everything. Um, prior to going to break, Bill was talking to us about um, the CARS method, which uh, which the first car uh, is connecting with empathy, attention, and respect. And before we go forward with the rest of the uh, CARS method, Bill, I, I think we just, should just kind of do a disclaimer. If you're in a high, if you're with somebody who is a high conflict personality, what about safety? At what point do you just disengage and walk away? So I just say, yeah, I always say safety first. So if there's if there's a dangerous situation, get yourself out of the situation or get help. Um, this is a method for hopefully calming somebody before they get to a dangerous level. But yes, if someone's um, you know physically threatening, um, then then getting away is is the top priority. Safety first, um, or getting assistance if you can. If you know you're going into a situation with someone who may have a high conflict situation uh, personality and that they're going to be probably upset and angry, it may be uh, good to have someone with you. Uh, it may be good to meet with a door open, um, things like that. And, and high conflict people, I'll just mention this briefly, um, have a range of behavior that's better or worse, even though they have a pattern of difficult behavior. And if they're in a highly stressful situation, you're going to get more high-conflict behavior than if there's a way to reduce the stress of the situation. So if you're going into a difficult meeting uh, where you have to say no to somebody or, or, or fire them or end a relationship, things like that, that's going to be a particularly difficult high-conflict moment. So you want to plan ahead how to make it manageable or maybe have someone else there, or have someone else be the deliverer of that news. Uh, so safety first. But if you're, if you're in a safe situation where you can talk to the person, calming them helps make it safer. Because the less agitated and upset they are, and, and ear statements, empathy, attention, respect, do calm people um, that have some of these emotional difficulties. So, yes, but definitely safety first. I don't want to say, you know, uh, give an ear statement to a raging bull. That's not, uh, <laughs> it's not going to be very no. effective. So, um, what's the A in the CARS method? A stands for analyzing. And so, it's really the second step, is first try to calm the person, but then try to get them thinking about problem solving. And so there's several different ways to analyze uh, alternatives. It could be give them a choice. Say, you know, I can't do what you're asking me to, but here's two options that I can do. Which would you prefer? Um, or, you know, it, it is a difficult situation. Let me tell you what your choices are now. Because getting them thinking about choices or options or alternatives engages a different part of the brain from the defensive part. 
in many ways, the more defensive parts of the brain seem more active in the right hemisphere of the brain, and the more logical problem-solving um, aspects of the brain seem to be stronger in the left hemisphere. So we kind of calm the right hemisphere defensiveness and then try to get busy the left hemisphere problem-solving. So saying, here's your choices, kind of matter-of-factly, you know, I know this is an important situation for you. Here's some of your choices. Let's look at what they are so that you're getting them thinking. Another is having them write a list. It's amazing when someone's, you know, in a high conflict situation or there's a problem is having them write a list. Why not make a list of what the problems are and a list of possible solutions? Again, that puts people in their left brain problem solving. Another is to ask them, well, what do you propose? Is to make a proposal. And it gets them thinking, because they have to think of what they propose. And I do that a lot when I'm doing mediation or negotiations uh, as a lawyer settling a dispute. And it gets them away from defending onto, oh, what is a solution? What would I propose? Also, thinking of proposals before you go into a situation with a high-conflict person. Get them thinking about it if you can, but think about it yourself. Let's have a couple proposals to solve a problem. So these help people analyze, and analyzing helps them be better at problem-solving. The trouble with how most people react to high-conflict personalities or overreact is they get angry at them, and they just say, stop doing what you're doing. But this approach, the CARS method, calms them down, says, I can see how difficult this is for you. I know this is a hard time. I'll work with you on this. Let's look at some of your choices. And you can hear, hopefully, my tone of voice is non-antagonistic and calming, and they often tend to mirror our emotions if we can stay calm. So that's where analyzing comes in. It, it helps them calm, but it also helps them get into solving whatever the problem is. So what's the next step? The next in the CARS method is responding to any misinformation. And that's the R. And often this is in writing. So if you're getting, say, a hostile email that misrepresents something you've said or done, then we suggest what we call a BIF response. It's B-I-F-F, Brief, Informative, Friendly, and Firm email response. And by taking that approach, you can calm the conflict and not escalate it further. So it's more, the R is more for when things are in writing and you have to respond. You can even initiate a letter or an email that's brief, informative, friendly, and firm. And it's hard in a few minutes to really explain that method, but it really feels different when someone says an angry statement, say by email, and you write back in a calm way that just gives, briefly gives information, not defensiveness, not excuses, not argument, just brief information. And then it's friendly. It's like, Thank you for responding. Here's some information that you may not have. And so you, get, you, you give them 
the kind of feedback that doesn't escalate the conflict. And actually, I could read you an example. I have a little book called BIF, Quick Responses to High Conflict People. If, if we've got a couple minutes, I could read you an sure. example. You get the feeling. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Well, let's take this example from a high-conflict divorce case that's finished and, and the parents are arguing about parenting a couple years later. So here's an email. It's Joe and Jane. So Joe writes an email to Jane, who's made a request, and, and he writes, Jane, I can't believe you're so stupid as to think I'm going to let you take the children to your boss's birthday party during my parenting time. Have you no memory of the last six conflicts we've had about my parenting time? Or are you having an affair with him? I always knew you would do anything to get ahead. In fact, I remember coming to your office party witnessing you making a total fool of yourself, including flirting with everyone from the CEO down to the mailroom kid. Are you high on something? Haven't you gotten your finances together enough to support yourself yet? without flinging yourself at every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and on and on and on for a couple pages. You know, most wow. people are used to seeing this. <laughs> so here's Jane's response, and let's see if it's a Biff response. Thank you for responding to my request to take the children to my office party. Just to clarify, the party will be from 3 to 5 on Friday at the office, and there'll be approximately 30 people there including several other parents bringing school-age children. There'll be no alcohol, as it's a family-oriented firm, and there'll be family-oriented activities. I think it will be a good experience for the kids to see me at my workplace. Since you do not agree, then of course I will respect that and withdraw my request, as I recognize it is your parenting time. And that's it. So, do you think that was brief? Yeah, that's pretty brief. Was it informative, straight information, not defensive or argumentative? Yes, just straight information. Was it friendly? Well, she says thank you at the beginning and ends with, I recognize it's your parenting time. And was it firm, meaning did it end the hostile conversation? And this, this ended it. Now, sometimes a Biff response, you say, like she could have said, with this information, I hope you'll reconsider please let me know yes or no by Wednesday at 5. So that's a Biff response too. But that gives the feel of it. Uh, it. It really feels different. And I might mention that's from a little book called Biff, Quick Responses to High Conflict People. So that's, that's probably more than anyone wanted to know, but that's what seems to really help. Well, it, it certainly... Um it certainly doesn't engage, continue to flame the fire, so to speak. Um, right. I think of it as kind of pouring cold water on the flames because a exactly. new flame doesn't put the old flame out. It just builds a bigger fire. Yes. Yeah, we, we know what can happen then. Um, so what's the S? The S is setting limits. And setting limits is important with high-conflict people because they don't stop themselves. So it's important to say, this is, this is, I can't do that, I can do this. But in setting limits is saying what you can do or what you won't do. Because you can't control another person's behavior, but you can control your responses to their behavior. Another part of this is telling them, the reason for this is 
the law requires it, or this is my policy, or my schedule says no. Don't make it personal. Don't say, well, I'm setting this limit because you're a jerk. It's just say, I'm setting this limit because I've got a really busy schedule now, and, and I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to get together next week. Things like that. Um, we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about um, treatment for folks that have personality disorders and how you can contact Bill if you want to learn more about um, his work. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence based practices, consensus practices, and old fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Transformational healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, Join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Bill Eddy, who is a certified family law specialist. Um, he resides in San Diego, California, and he is the president of the High Conflict Institute and also an author of 10 books, including It's All Your Fault, 12 Tips for Managing People Who Blame Others for Everything. Bill, how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about the High Conflict Institute or 
It's, it's real easy coming to our website. We've got a terrific website with a lot of resources, and I, I thank the people that help me with it. It's not, it's not something I knew how to do, but we've got, it's highconflictinstitute.com, and we've got uh, books, we've got DVDs, CDs, we have also free articles, um, and I was just talking about the BIF method of emails, so we have a book about that. We also have an article uh, for free about that. Um, but come to highconflictinstitute.com, and there's just tons of information that, uh, that, that people like. Uh, in fact, I know a lot of lawyers tell their clients when they start with them if they're going through a high-conflict dispute is to go to our website and, and check out what we have to offer. But anyone can use the information as well as a lot is uh, for professionals. So prior to going to break, you were summing up um, CARS, and I was just wondering if there was anything else you wanted to share about that. Just, just really to summarize that it's a response, it's responses that take kind of reminding yourself also, it's a way of focusing forward. It focuses on the future. Just calm the person just so I can see your difficult situation. Let's look at what your choices are now. One of the things that doesn't work very well, especially with very high-conflict people, is telling them to look at the past behavior. They don't have self-reflection, and they get very defensive. And even if you think you're being constructive and helpful, saying, now, stop doing that thing you've been doing, they take that as a threat. And so rather than saying, stop doing something, just say, here's something I'd like you to do, and focus forward. So that's, that's an important thing to remember. So that's overall connecting, analyzing, responding, setting limits. Any, any part of that may be helpful. You don't necessarily have to do all of those. Um, and especially with setting limits, is you can say, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not willing to discuss that topic anymore. You can set personal limits as well as getting help, like getting a lawyer, calling the police when there's danger. Because high-conflict people, you can't negotiate setting limits with them because they don't, they don't stop themselves. They argue with everything. So you've got to just say, I can't do this and I will do that. And that's the way to, to focus. So that's the CARS method. Now, earlier in the show, you mentioned that um, there's a correlation between um, high Catholic people and people that you've seen that have substance use disorders. Yes, it's interesting. The research is, um, there's a big study done uh, about 10 years ago, National Institutes of Health, and I should mention that they found that about 15% of the U.S. population would meet the criteria for a personality disorder. But they also looked at, do, do people with personality disorders have substance abuse problems? And I'll give you a couple statistics. Um, what they found is people with borderline personality disorder, that's the mood swings, sudden intense anger, etc., that about 50% of them also have a substance use disorder. People with narcissistic personality disorder, about 40% of them also have a substance use disorder. And so a lot of people have both of these issues, 
And what's exciting for me is if someone's got a substance abuse disorder, then they need to get into recovery. And we know what's involved. It's been established around for years, getting to AA, NA, other 12-step groups. That also helps take the edge off some of their personality problems. And some people look like they have a personality disorder because of their substance abuse problem. And when they get clean and sober, they, they don't look like they have a personality disorder anymore. On the other hand, some people, when they get clean and sober, the per- that have a personality disorder, it starts looking more extreme. And people go, whoa, you know, um, I didn't expect this. There's another problem you need to work on. What's exciting is the same things that help in substance abuse recovery help people with personality disorders, like learning to look at themselves, look at their own behavior. That's one of the biggest problems for the high-conflict personality disorders. They're always blaming others. So recovery is really good. When I've worked with clients as a lawyer, as a therapist, et cetera, who have both, I find it's a lot easier to work with them because they're willing to work in their recovery and that will help them with the personality problems as well. So there's definitely an overlap, and society doesn't realize this. There's about 15% of the U.S. population has a substance abuse disorder, and we've been talking about that for 50 years. Personality disorders were where we were 50 years ago. People don't know what it is. They don't understand it. They're not comfortable talking about it. But we've got to realize this is part of daily life conflict nowadays. So hopefully people are learning, and I think your programs, uh, I I thank you for the chance to help educate people through this. Well, um, we're happy to do it. I think that folks with personality disorders have gotten a bad rap from the treatment profession for years and years, and we do understand how to treat folks better than we ever did. You mentioned DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. And in that, there's also cognitive behavioral therapy. There's mindfulness. There's distress distress tolerance. You mentioned right. self-help. Um, I mean, there are many ways to help people learn um, how to manage their emotions and, and also how to just learn more effective um, communication skills, problem-solving skills, and communication skills so that they can get their needs met and they can get validated for their their beliefs and their perceptions. And they can get their trauma treated as well. There's very effective treatment for folks that have trauma. Yes, and that many people with personality disorders have a history of trauma and and dealing with that really can help. Um, Many have both. They've got got post-traumatic stress disorder perhaps and let's say, a personality disorder. But in many cases, let's say someone has, has a trauma history, has substance abuse, has a personality disorder, it's very compatible what people need to do. And, and there's, what I'd like to say, there's lots of treatment out there. The hard thing is getting people with personality disorders to take advantage of it because part of the problem is they don't see the problem. So if you... If you're close to someone who may have one of these problems, just encouraging them just to be uh, to meet with a counselor to get assessed to see, you know, there may be some help for you. Um, these problems we're understanding more than ever, 
And like I said, it's comparable to substance abuse treatment 50 years ago. People didn't talk about it that much and do it, but we, we have a lot of answers. Now, the different personalities, different treatment approaches may help. So individual counseling, group counseling especially. I, I think, um, you know, there's so much hope today for folks that do have personality disorders, and I want to thank you for your work. And once again, if people want to contact Bill, um, your website is? Highconflictinstitute.com. Um, thank you so much for being a guest on our show, and have a good week, everybody. And um, I won't be on the show next week, so Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody. And thank you as well. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.